Recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Rene Dreyfus and, and Matt Pierce. Ring the bell and let's get it on. There's somebody in here with us. Oh, I'm no. Scared. <laughs> I'm scared, too. He's a Muay Thai master. I'm very scared. <laughs> he was on Oprah. <laughs> he knows Oprah personally. No, but we have huge news. Oh, my God. Amazing news. Matt. You actually won a bet. Yes. <laughs> Who did I pay off to make Anthony Pettis win that fight? <laughs> Thank you, Anthony. So you're Pettis. like ten and one, one in ten now. Or My wife right? is more excited than I am. Really? Because she just knows I won't get hurt today. Yeah. No. Okay. I, we didn't bet for anything though. But, no, I yeah, told you that we yeah. didn't pick the terms. But, yeah. yeah. But you got. You got. Were you happy? Were you, did you enjoy the fights on the weekend? Yeah. I mean, I, only, I didn't watch all of them. Yeah, I watched but, a few um, of them. There were some some very nice fights, you know. Um, but I guess we really want to talk about the the Pettis and Thompson fight. But before we do that, let's introduce our wonderful guest, Mr. Christopher Robinson. Hello, everyone. Yeah, and okay. uh, Chris and I have been friends for almost 15 years. Yes. Uh, uh, Chris is a martial artist for so many years and uh, uh, amazing Muay Thai fighter. Also excellent, excellent grappler who um, I'm very honored to say uh, trusts me to teach him here some things here and there. Just a couple things here and there. What little I can teach him because he has some great uh, instruction under Rodrigo Medeiros and many other instructors. But we, uh, I also um, – was uh, uh, he helped me made let me stay at his place in San Diego many years ago, and it was a really wonderful trip, and I uh, just great to have a, a very close friend and and a, and a fellow traveler, fellow traveler in the martial arts, to give us perspective on the, on the striking arts, and it's it's cool because you know Anthony Pettis was uh, is really came out as a Muay Thai fighter, and Thompson is a karate guy, and and so you know my background originally very way back when was karate, and 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 we can see. Little bits of, of Thompson's karate, and you can see the Muay Thai. So, we have a little perspective here on, on discussing the fight. But also, yeah. I'd like to get into your background. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started and where you trained? And uh, Yeah, I started martial arts when I was a kid. I was around 14. Uh, started with Taekwondo for a couple of years and went to some full contact uh, kung fu. But then when I went to college, oh, like Sanda kind of thing? Um, yeah, it was called. God, man, it's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, what was it called? Kushu. Oh, yeah, I'm not familiar. Yeah. Or something like that. But uh went to San Diego for college, and that's where I found Muay Thai. So started out uh, this this gym called Black Tiger in San Diego with Vince Soberano. And then from there, I met Sexon. Uh, he actually came to my first fight and uh, jumped into my corner, started telling me what to do, and told me that I looked like I was Thai, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Saxon Janjira is a, a very, very, very famous Thai fighter. He's had some, he's really well known in the Thai fighting world as, as, a, as a phenomenal coach and, and competitor. Yeah, so at the time he was up at the Muay Thai Academy in North Hollywood, so I would drive up there and stay with him and his brother. Uh, for like four days at a time, and you know we trained and fought, and just went. Out. And what year was that Oof, that you met him? Gosh, this was nineteen ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, ninety six. March of this month. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. March ninety six. So, That's great. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. So um, trained him for a while, then he moved to Dallas. Uh, then I kind of once he left, I, I kind of stopped doing Muay Thai. But how, but you fought quite a bit. Um, do you mind yeah. getting into your fight fight experiences a little bit and your record? And, and I know you we were in Thailand for a while as well. Yeah, we went to Thailand just for two weeks. He, uh, the first time he he does this every year where he takes a group of fighters and stays in Thailand for two weeks at a time, uh, usually in December. And uh, the first time he did that, and this is God, I can't even remember what year it was, but way back when. And uh, so I went there on the first trip. Uh, and we just went around to different academies and just trained Muay Thai at different places that he knew of that, you know, when he was growing up in Thailand and training mm -hmm. and fighting. Uh, but back in L.A., uh, I don't know, I probably had about maybe around 20 fights or so uh, just around L.A., Vegas, uh, Northern California. Um, Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So it's just been a great experience. And then um, years after that, actually, uh, uh, my mom – she had cancer uh, back in Houston. I, I went there, and while I was taking care of her, I stayed there for a year. I ended up um, starting jujitsu. Uh, I was at a, a place, uh, uh, Saul Solis. He oh is, yeah, I know Saul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's awesome. the old old school guy. Old school. Yeah, 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 he's a Muay Thai guy originally. Yeah, yeah, he is. And You're right. So right. Uh, you know, I was there, and you know, I had a lot of free time, 
So I would just go and train, and he said, hey, can you help me, you know, teach classes and things? So I would teach Muay Thai classes for him there. And one day, he also taught jujitsu. And one day, he's like, hey, you see that kid up there? He's been doing jujitsu for about three months. Go in the ring. Don't punch or kick him or anything. Just move around. Just, just kind of see what happens. And I'm like, all right. So, you know, I go kind of move around with this kid. You know, next thing you know, he takes me to the ground. He's on my back, chokes me out. I'm like, whoa. So, whoa, whoa, let's do this again. Let's do this again. <laughs> and we do it again. Again, you know, I'm not going to punch or kick the guy, but, you know, we're just kind of moving around. And, you know, some kind of way he kind of gets me down and does the same thing. And so I was like, man, look, man, you need to do jujitsu. So I was like, okay. And that kind of got that bug in me. Uh, so just went back to California after my mom passed away. And uh, started training with uh, Carlos Malente uh, just for a couple of years. And then he moved back to Brazil. And uh, I had met Rodrigo Madeiras a couple of times. He would come and guest teach and ask if I could train with him and, uh, you know, train with Rodrigo Madeiras and, and a bunch of other guys yeah. that have helped me out along the way. And and for you guys who don't know, again, Rodrigo Medeiros is uh, – uh, and we're talking not uh, for the – not Rodrigo Medeiros um, paid, paid, uh, paid a – uh, no, not not pay not Comprito, the other one, uh, who's from represent Carlson Gracie lineage, and is um, uh, really really uh, phenomenal uh, uh, jiu-jitsu teacher and instructor, and amazing. I, I was lucky enough to spend a few days at his academy too, and uh, just can't. I didn't never met the person personally, but I, I I have pieces of his game that I've adopted, and just total respect for that master. Yes, yes, uh, it's, it's been awesome, but. Uh... Jiu-jitsu is a little difficult for me. I'm still a Muay Thai guy doing jiu-jitsu. So yeah. Luckily, oh, by the way, he's a brown belt with the number of stripes on it. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. So when I come what to New York, uh, I'm fortunate enough to come and train with you, Renee. You know, you definitely helped out my game quite a bit. Thank you. Uh, you know, you're an awesome teacher. So. Oh, thank, thank you. No, <laughs> uh, no, no. You know, but uh, but but. Uh, um, uh, also, Chris, tell me about how you got into. The people may not know. Obviously, don't know because it's of course the first time. People don't know him, but he's actually quite famous also in another world. So you went from martial arts, and then when you retired from fighting in, in Muay Thai, you also started doing uh, Pilates. Right. So, God, this is '99 uh, in San Diego. A guy named Michael Johnson is taking my Muay Thai class at the health club, and he wants to do private lessons. And uh, he said, "Hey, you know, you're a little expensive. How about we do a trade out?" He was a Pilates instructor, so. I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to see what this Pilates stuff is all about. So, you know, we do a lesson. He puts me on this uh, piece of apparatus called a reformer. Gives me the full advanced reformer. It takes about an hour. It almost killed me. <laughs> but, you know, I know that feeling. Yeah. I know that feeling. Chris is like, hey, let's do this workout. I'm like, what is this torture? <laughs> but as soon as I got up, I could instantly punch and kick better. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And uh, we had about five lessons or so. Then he had to move back to New York City. And he's like, hey, if you want to really learn, uh, come to New York, train with my teacher. This lady named Romana Krizanowska. And I'm like, I thought about it. And I was like, man, this is really helpful. I'm sorry, what, her, Romana Krizanowska? Krizanowska. I'm probably I'm saying it wrong. Krizanowska. And she's the direct uh, uh, student of Joseph Pilates, Yeah, right? she, she yeah. learned mm-hmm. directly from Joe Pilates. And she's, like, known as the traditional Pilates style, right? Yes, is that, yes, is that correct? yes. So there's a uh, couple of different – just like in martial arts, there's different kind of styles of Pilates. The style that I do, some people call it classical or authentic Pilates. There's, there's another style called contemporary style that's different than what she did. Um, and the interesting thing is Joseph Pilates actually was a, was a martial artist. He was a boxer, right? Yeah, he was yeah. a boxer. He actually had a, a glass eye, a fake eye. Oh, I didn't know he, that. No he kidding. He lost his sparring. Oh, shoot. Uh, boxing. So, yeah, and I think he taught uh, some self-defense classes as wow. well. Uh, he had some inventions that were like uh, fight weapons. Uh, so I was really? told he had this one thing. It was like a, a weight in his hand. And then it had these kind of wires with kind of fish weights at the end. And so there was a story that I heard that he went back to Germany kind of during – he was German. And he was in the U.S. for a little bit and went back there. And while he was there, I guess the secret police started asking for his papers. He was at a bar. Yeah. And he knew what that meant. And so he had this thing. He hit one guy. You know, because he has that weight in his hand, it makes the fist harder. Hit one of the undercover police guys, knocked him out, swung at the other one with it. He stepped in, so he missed with the punch, but because he had the wire with the weights at the end, it wrapped around, and then the weights hit him and knocked the guy out. Wow. It's sort of like a Morningstar, traditional Morningstar weapon, but in your hand. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Um, wow. It's a scary time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, thank God he, he wasn't arrested by the Gestapo. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he was able to, I think my father actually had a, a similar interest in it. My, I, my father was uh, Jewish and, and tried to go back into Germany and smuggle out. His daddy was arrested by the SS and, and uh, you know, unfortunately he wasn't able to. But he, yeah, running from the Gestapo is no joke. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, it's another story. But, uh, but yeah, he's a, he was a fighter. Yeah. And, um, and and his I'm sorry I didn't mean please go on oh, with so, the Ramana so, and all that. So yeah, so that you know, uh, you know, once Michael told me about Ramana, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take this up because it's making me a better fighter. That's my whole purpose. I just wanted to like I, I like the way that I felt. Uh, it felt right. It got me stronger. So I came out to New York, did the program, and you know, here we are, 20 years later. So, wow. So yeah, but and you're very famous in the Pilates world now. I mean. I, People, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> He's so <laughs> humble. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah, I'm going to say it. Chris has been on Oprah many times. So, and you were there once. Once. I thought, I thought <laughs> yeah. it was oh, just once. <laughs> no, we just, trained her. You were trained yeah, her as well. Trainer. Yeah, yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, yeah, you're a little famous. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Chris is actually blushing right now. <laughs> There's only, Chris is an amazing guy. The only thing I'd say is, like, this is a hallmark of great martial artists. Is sometimes they're a little too humble, you know, but, uh, but you're a fantastic martial art. And actually, the, the Pilates that I've done with you has always helped me. It's interesting because, you know, it's definitely it's a different kind of Pilates that, you know, you that I had seen before, which I didn't really do that much, but it's something very applicable to fighting. I right. really like your approach on core strength and connection to the spine and uh, and how to generate power. And I always see commonalities between what you tell me and what I'm trying to do in my martial arts journey. Exactly. You know, and it definitely you helped me a lot the, the times I've done it and tortured me like you know, <laughs> can, I, <laughs> can I ask you a question about yeah, Pilates? Yeah. Uh, what's the point of it? Like I'm I'm I have never done any sort of Pilates no, that's, or that's even yoga question. or anything like that. But all I see is like a, you know middle aged forty year old women that look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is it like stretching? Like, well, every movement has a stretch, strength, and control. Okay. So basically, one say one set of muscle groups are contracted; they're strengthening, while the opposite side stretches. And then you have to control that strength, you know, with the work. So the way that I look at it, I, I use the core, you know, do the ab muscles, the transverse, everything, to help you elongate your spine. Now, with those muscles working, the opposite muscle group will be the back. So now the spine's elongated, so you should have more range of motion in everything you do. There should oh, be wow. no compression on your spine. So now when you're doing any kind of performance, you should be able to perform better and not get as fatigued and be able to last a lot longer. Wow. And so, also not get hurt. So everybody should do Pilates. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's, yeah. this, there's a study that had nothing to do with Pilates, but it said there's a, one of the biggest correlations to a healthy older life is um, spinal health. You know, like there's a complete medical study. I, I I forgot where I saw it, but it had nothing to do with Pilates itself. But it said, you know, if you have a strong core and and good spinal health, you are much more likely to have a better life in older age. You know, past fifty. You know, you it's, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, you know, it's just one of those those health markers mm-hmm. of 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 really solid health. And you could see the guys who don't have healthy spines in jiu-jitsu, yeah. they they drop off right. because they can't they can't spar anymore. Judo, jiu-jitsu, martial any martial art when they start. You know, when you start having the herniated discs and this and that, and not taking care of your back and your spine, um, you have problems. You have problems. I'm, I'm, thank God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm generally okay with some injuries, but uh, thanks to Chris, I'm, I'm trying to overcome those well, as well. Joe Pilates had a quote, and I'm not saying it perfectly, but it was to the effect of: if you're 30 with the rigid spine, you're old. If you're 60 with the supple spine, you're young. Wow, that's so, a great quote. Yeah. yeah. Wow that 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 mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And is uh, Pilates uh, dependent on that machine, or can you do it with? No. So there's a full mat workout, and actually that's the hardest part of the actual method of Pilates. So all the other apparatus helps you do the mat better. So you have a full range of exercises where you can make it, you know, someone's never worked out, so you can kind of make it, you know, pretty easy to the person that's a professional athlete to challenge them. I like to use it to teach people how to move as well as condition them. Also, you're working with some high-level football players to help um, get them better at football too, right? Yeah, yeah. I work with uh, different athletes. So uh, there's a um, kicking school in San Diego, uh, Michael Husted. Uh, he's a kicking coach, and so I work with a lot of his guys. Uh, I work with some uh, people aspiring to be Olympic swimmers. Uh, but then I work with martial artists, so you know I, I just recently moved to Dallas, so I'm working with uh, some of Sex Sun's guys, 
in Dallas, some of his fighters uh, in San Diego. I was working with Clark Gracie, yeah. helping him out, and just some other guys. So just, I mean, it's good for everyone, any, any kind of athlete. Or even if you're not an athlete, just, you know, everyday person just doing everyday movements. It, the great thing about it is not only does it condition you, but it teaches you how to move. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you were if you are in martial arts, how how and you, you find a reputable Pilates school, what would you say would be a, a like how many times a week to supplement uh, your martial art training? You know, I tell all the athletes, you, you know, some say my football players, you know, they have to lift weights because that's just the protocol for yeah, their yeah. teams. But you know, the amount of times that they lift weights, they should be doing Pilates. You right, know, if right. they could switch it and have their main conditioning program, Pilates, I feel they'll be much better athletes. You know, it's funny because when I was getting ready for fights, um, I, I was I worked with uh, Jilson, who's been on 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 my, the podcast too, and we never ever touched a weight. Yeah. The only thing we ever touched was a sandbag yeah. once in a while, or uh, but it was mostly body weight or picking him up and um, doing a lot of. I wouldn't say it was Pilates, but a lot of things that were kind of in, seemed like similar object, uh, objectives. You know, yeah, yeah. obviously Pilates is a much more complex form of uh, training, but uh, but he he always had me moving in ways, and I never felt stronger. Yeah, when I, you know, ne- and we didn't touch a weight. You yeah. know, so um, I think there's a place for weight training for sure, um, especially if you're rehabbing and you're under supervision of personal therapist, uh, physical therapist, or something like that. And of course, if you if you have some ideas that you want to hypertrophy for, right. for to make a different weight class, which is an interesting thing, talking about Pettis, how he right. jumped up a weight class. But, um, you know, I, I always found, as a teacher, the guys who do the most weights are the ones with the most injuries. Right. You know, and especially now, everybody's doing, like, CrossFit-style weightlifting, and they're just destroying their shoulders, their body, and neck. I'm like, man, you could get 10 times stronger doing Pilates or whatever and put down the weights and not get hurt. You know? One thing with the Pilates is just like martial arts, it requires patience, discipline, and dedication. Mm. And not everybody wants to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. That is so true. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> you know, I want my I want my instant gains with the Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but thank you for telling us about yourself. It's yeah, yeah. it's an amazing journey. Um Is California you- your home base? Uh no, actually, well, I, I have a studio in San Diego called Essex Pilates. Um, but I just recently moved to Texas. My oh. dad's getting older, so I'm just trying to spend more time with him. But I travel quite a bit. So I'm you know, mostly in Dallas, but then I'm in San Diego probably every month and a half or so. Uh, and you're then, available for seminars around the world. I yeah, know you were right. in Korea and in a lot of Brazil recently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you were in Italy too, right? Yes. You, yeah, wow. Yeah. Seminars wow. around the world, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I was like his Instagram, or not Facebook, actually, is like, it makes me very jealous. I'm like, wow, look at all these cool <laughs> places he's going. But I, it sucks to travel so much too, I guess. I just fantasize being home for two months in a row. I haven't <laughs> done that in many, many years. But um, what, do you, what brings you to New York? Sorry. I'm just working with clients out here. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> just want to see your name. Right? That's the best part. No, no, oh, uh, no seminars planned here. Or anything? Uh, not, not this yeah. month. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but I was actually really lucky that anytime he comes, he always instructs at my academy, and I'm just honored to to have that knowledge. That's and um, but I know whenever he's like, whenever Chris says, "Okay, we're gonna do a Pilates workout now," you can see the people who know. They're like, "Oh, <laughs> 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 like crap, this is gonna hurt." Um, but hey, um, so let's let's. I we know we just watched a little highlights of the fight. Um, and you have a, a, a great Muay Thai background, and Pettis, who's trained with uh, uh, um, uh, Dick Ruf, uh, Rick Rufus, Rick Rufus, uh, who's a Muay Thai guy now, yeah. but actually has an interesting backstory because uh, he wasn't originally a Muay Thai right. guy, as an American kickboxer, but he has a Muay Thai background, and and Thompson, who has a karate background, uh, and I, I originally in 1975 started in karate, so it's really interesting to see this fight, this Pettis fight, because it's really like even though Pettis did have Taekwondo background, he only threw kind of one semi Taekwondo kick, but he came out as a real Real, real, very looking, very Thai with his hands up. And Thompson came out with his hands down, very, 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 very short of karate. And there are many different styles of karate. People get them a little confused, but the in, out, hands low, darting movements are very, very um, uh, uh, indicative of, of the Shotokan. Uh, lineage, which is something I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with. It's not only the only lineage that does that, but it's very different from Kyokushin, which does not have that kind of in-out movement, something like George St. Pierre came from, where Kyokushin is, is not about movement. So you saw a fighter with a lot, a lot of in-and-out movement based, hands low, which is problematic. And then you saw another fighter who was like a less less movement-oriented and uh, and coming in old old, old scout tie, and it was a real interesting clash of, of, of styles. Mm-hmm. And what was your what was your take on that fight? And you know, first of all, yeah, no, I, I can see um, 
Thompson, yeah, with the in-and-out style, is very tricky. You know, he had a little bit of height on him, so he definitely had to reach. Mm. Uh, but I saw Pettis, you know, counter that quite well. Um, so it was, a, it was a good fight. It was a close fight. And then towards the end, you know, just he was able to figure him out. Yeah. And, and broke down the advantages that he had, which was smart. Yeah. You know, so Pettis' camp definitely trained well for this fight. I know you mentioned the pisao kick or the, the stomping knee kick and how important that was to, to, to shut down southpaws. Yeah, it, it was smart for Pettis to be opposite stance. So now, you know, he didn't have to worry about that that jump spinning back kick. Yeah. You know, uh, Thompson has to change his stance first, then throw the back kick that takes time. Yeah. So he should be able to see that. And then to protect against that quick front side kick, that's where that stomp kick comes in. Yeah. And, you know, he could kind of, when you throw that kick, if he throws that side kick, that kind of, it gets jammed. And and let me tell you, that, that side kick, I think it was the person that really, the, the, the team that really uses it so much was the uh, Greg Jackson camp. Okay. Obviously, other people use it, but they brought it in, and then you see that everybody's doing it out to the point where, like, people are like, we should stop using this because it's, like, you know, ruining our, our fighting style. But, you know, that's that's it. It's like... John Jones yeah. just slides in and hits that kick, yeah. and it's interesting because it is a part of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. People don't know it, but the pisao kick is part of not only, not exclusively. Yeah. It's also a, a, a part of, of karate. So it's interesting that it's what would be considered a slightly more traditional move was used by the Muay Thai fighter. Right. Where you know, and um, but it, but it was very good, very good to stop that that front side kick. So yeah. it's like a little bit of traditional versus traditional kind of thing, you yeah, know. Yeah. Interesting, you yeah. know. I mean, it was just, and lots of low kicks too. It was just the thing that was needed, and yeah, yeah. with the low kicks, I mean, that's just going to slow him down. Slow Do you use up. that kick a lot to piece out to the knee? A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, Saxon started incorporating that quite a bit. And uh, I, I play with it a little bit. Right. Is that, uh, is, do you think he started incorporating when he went in sex engineer, went more to Muay Thai? I mean, went to more to MMA? MMA. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Because there's a need for it. Yeah. Is yeah. it is it frowned on in Muay Thai? That kick? No. No, 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 it's not. But it, you don't see it that but, much, right? But, yeah, but the thing is, people aren't going to, if they're straight Muay Thai, Muay Thai in Thailand, they're not going to throw sidekicks with yeah. the Yeah, right, right. So right. Then, now there's no need for it. Mm. And so, and it does stop the shot too, which is yeah, another yeah. Yeah, so it, it definitely has a place for in, in uh, MMA than Muay Thai. Right, right, right. So, yeah. um, and uh, but yeah, I, it was you could see that it was like uh, the one thing about the Rufus's camp they they've fought Thompson a number of times now. So it's uh, uh, it was um, Town Woodley. While although he represents American Top Team, he gets coaching from from uh, Duke Rufus, and. Um, so they faced Thompson. So that was two fights there. One was a uh, draw, and the other was uh, uh, a decision win for for Woodley. And now they had Pettis fighting him, and Pettis coming up um, coming up from lightweight. You, you know, you'd think he he try to maximize his speed or something like that, being lighter, but he didn't. He just kind yeah. of, you know, he was really interesting, right? No, Thompson's too fast. Too yeah, fast. He has yeah. too much of a reach. Uh, you you kind of have to counter a guy like that or block him. Right, right. But yeah, if you try to match his speed, especially with the distance that he has, he'll pick you apart. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. You know, I've seen that. You know, yeah, I've seen uh, that several times. Well, in, in can you fight. go into specifics? Well, just I've seen it in several fights. Guys can't figure out that front kick, you know, that front uh, side kick. And then to escape it, they'll go to the backside and they'll run right into the back kick. Yeah. So he has those two options. He just plays with that. He just sets it up. So people just eat the side, the side, the side. They're like, okay, enough of this. I'm going to go the other way and then run into the spinning, the back, spinning kick. back kick and then they're done. Yeah. So. Um, and you said there was another – you said there was – we talked – this was before the podcast, but you were saying that there was another uh, old school where uh, Koban fought a karate guy and, and, and he had a little trouble or something like that. Yeah, like yes, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, he um, – When was that? Was that in the 90s? It was or? in the 90s. It was, uh, I think, Manfred Gibson. Oh, I right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's his name, Manfred yeah. Gibson. And it kind of had a weird, you know, strange – Hard to figure out karate style, but very effective. He was quick, you know, his timing was good, and you know, kind of similar to Wonder Boy. And uh, yeah, he caught Koban with the jump spinning back kick, you know, I think to the ribs. Wow. And he, but he set it up with the side kick, you know, he just side quick side kick, you know, side kick didn't hurt too much, but it was definitely getting in, just like a jab, just over mm. and over and over. It's quick, it's easy to get in there. So then when you try to go to the other side to escape it, you run right into the jump spinning back kick. I remember way back when Cha- Charles Chainsaw McCarthy was fighting um, uh, Luazo. Do you remember that fight? Luazo's from he was from the Canadian, and he did the exact same thing. And he kicked him so hard with the jump spinning back, with spinning back kick, he sent him like across the cage, and he yeah. fell against the cage, and he just clutched his ribs, and the fight was over. <laughs> I think that was the very first jump spinning back kick KO in in MMA. Yeah. 
And uh, since then, it was like, oh, that old stuff works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and while well, you're a Muay Thai fighter, you have a beautiful spinning back kick well, and spinning wheel kick, too. When There's I, not enough room in here. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much well, expensive equipment. When I first started martial arts, I did Taekwondo, and yeah. that was my kick for that. Oh, know? really? Yeah, yeah. That's the kick that I like. Did you compete get. a lot in Taekwondo? Or? A little bit, but not yeah. that much. But yeah. I was in a place, I was the only American there. And so the competition in class was pretty high. You mean and it was like all full Koreans? All Koreans, yeah. Like oh, everyone wow. spoke Korean, and uh, it, it was pretty intense. You Can know, you still count to 10 in Korean? Hana. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Yeah. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I, I, did, I competed in Taekwondo in, in my college days, and I, I've forgotten how to count to 1 to 10. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's about all I could do. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I know the names of the techniques, you know. Yeah. I remember most of them, the names of the techniques, but I it, like the Korean. And they, yeah. they, like, it, it, it's Korean and Japanese sound completely different. But um, so it's not like even though I speak Japanese, they're they're completely different sounding. Although grammatically they're interestingly similar, but uh, but I did was able to remember the. I know the words to Gangnam Style. You do. What are they? No, don't put me on spot. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to hear me say. No, but you know, it's what I what I love is you know um, is to see uh, you know we had Professor Ken on the other day and and we were talking. He's like, I don't consider myself a Muay Thai fighter, teacher. I consider myself a striking teacher. And that's what I love about MMA is like you draw from what works. Right. And and uh, so, you know, if there's some Taekwondo move that works. And generally speaking, um, as a foundation, you really want to have – as your, your striking style, you want to have Muay Thai as your foundation for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, but on top of that – or boxing. On top of that, you can add in – other things, but or karate too. Is sometimes it works, but most MMA fighters are using Muay Thai as their base or boxing as their base. And 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 even even when you say boxing, you can't turn to the side so much. It's like more more like the modified boxing. And and uh, but when you can add on other elements, uh, it doesn't mean that you know the, one of the most popular kicks in in, in MMA right now is the, the the oblique kick, which that's a Wing Chun kick. You know, one of the most popular punches, and you could see Stephen Thompson do this. Well, it's known as a flick jab in 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 um, in uh, in boxing. It's actually the way Thompson throws. It's almost like more like a back fist because in boxing you can't hit with the back of your hand, but in, in MMA you can. He doesn't really do a flick jab. He does a flick back fist, which is like super, super, super Shotokan like flick, 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 and then boom, dart in for the dart in for the the, the cross. And you could see him doing it over and over. It's very, very orthodox. Shotokan style, and he made it work. Um, that being said, I don't believe you should ever fight with your hands down. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, one that's <laughs> fight one on one. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you know? and and you know, if you're fighting with your hands down, no matter no yeah. matter how good you are, at some point you're going to get rocked, right? Because you get older. You're not as fast. It's the speed and, and, and timing and hand-eye coordination, you know, visualization kind of thing. Eventually, you get older, you get, you get a little slower. Yeah. I, 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 this is completely different um, style, but I watched this video of this 70-year-old boxer. And it's this young guy in the ring who kind of challenges him. It's in some gym there. And you see the boxer just puts his hands up, and the young guy's coming fast, fast, fast. He thinks he's a – and the boxer's just a blocking, moving, blocking, moving, just moving around. And he goes, bop, and just drops him. And he's like, he's like, I still got it. Because he's just strong, hands-up, fundamentals, right. defense, you know? Right. And and I really respect Thompson. I respect his style. But, you know, he's, what, 34 now? Well, not only that, yeah, he yeah. took a lot of shots in the leg during the fight. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. going to slow you down because a lot of the defense where your hands are down is your footwork. Mm. But and he's notorious think, for taking lots of shots yeah, to the legs, and that's exactly. going to eat up. Also, even if it, even if he wins the fight, you, it's collected damage. Your right. ACL can't take like four hundred kicks over your lifetime. Right, right. So, yeah, but you're right. He slowed him down, and yeah. that, that's what you know. The game, the the game plan for the fight is you know kick his legs, slow him down. Okay, he has his hands down. He uses his legs, his footwork for defense with the hands down. Okay, he could do that in the first round at the beginning of the fight, but after you take those shots to the legs, you're slower. Yeah. And now if your hands are down, you, you're probably going to eat something. And yeah. That's what happened. Yeah, and, and a lot of people – for the people who didn't see the fight, I, I there's a highlight on – we posted. But it's just basically did a, a Superman punch. But it was like kind of like a Superman overhand. And people were like, oh, it was so ninja. He jumped off the cage <laughs> and he was so amazing. I'm like, dude, he did not jump off the cage. Yeah. Now, I like I, I watched it the fight like 400 times. you know. And what he did is he, he – you know, he, he kind of you know parried the, the sidekick. 
and he used the cage for a little bounce, but he wasn't kicked against the cage. He just yeah. bounced, and he does that all the time. He just kind of bounces. A lot of fighters do that. They kind of use a little bounce, but it was maybe come on. Just I think he just understood his his range, distance, and Thompson yeah. was just not fast because he dates so many leg kicks. Right, right. You know, right. Yeah. yeah, he was talking after the fight about how to make up the the reach that Thompson had. How oh, do you get past that. it? How do yeah. I get past it? Yeah. yeah, and he thought that was the only way to get past. Uh, Smart, yeah. yeah, smart, yeah. Did 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 he say in the interview that he planned to do the Superman or it wasn't he, planned? It, it was, was he was just something moment. he was yeah. thinking about that he had to find a creative way to get through. Yeah, Thompson's defense. And yeah. I'm definitely I am not a Superman punch guy, but I, I was um, working with uh, one of our fighters recently who's really freaking tall, and um, and he tends to a little bit punch downwards. You know, uh, I won't say yeah, know, right, yeah. He tends to punch downwards a little because he's so tall, right? And I'm like, dude, you're punching downwards. I'm gonna so I did a like kind of like a Superman overhand because you know when you when a tall fighter fights downwards, you just do a Superman overhand and, and I and I, I kind of hit him a little bit. I'm not saying I'm as good as he is. I'm not saying that, but I'm like it when you're dealing with the tall fighter, those kind of Superman movements really cover the distance fast. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. With a tall fighter, what you could do next time you spar him, uh-huh. if you guys have the same stance, yeah, you have your head go towards his check and then loop your oh, yeah. overhand. It's really hard to defend. Yeah, but it has to be the same stance. Yeah. So that's uh, I uh, it's a guy Danny Steele back in the day used to do that all the time. Yeah, you you worked out with him a lot, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, and that was the thing. I, I saw him knock a few guys out with that. But sparring with him, it was really difficult. Yeah. I had to change my stance to to negate that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know, and um. Yeah, you you drive in with your head and then you hit the overhand. Yeah, right? you yeah, drive yeah. with your head. So now your head's, you know, kind of his arms are too long to hit you. Yeah, and then you loop your hand over, kind of high. Yeah. So your head is down. Your hand goes over your head, and then that goes, you know, right to his. Face. A lot of Russian fighters like that too. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. But only if the guy's taller than you. Uh-huh. Same height is, doesn't work quite as well. Right. Um, There's not too many guys taller than you. To me, there's like, <laughs> like up to your nipple. <laughs> Don't look at my nipple. <laughs> I am the shortest guy in this room, by the way. <laughs> Listeners, right? Uh, I'm tall in, in emotional stature, but not in actual Tall stature. in spirit. In spirit, yeah. I try to be. Um, but um, so one thing, okay, so that was the fight. It was it was a beautiful tactical exchange, and, and I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um, uh, just how to deal with reach is, is a very important problem in for any fight, especially like for me, what makes it interesting is I, I see MMA as how do I deal with this in a self-defense context? And when people have blades, obviously they have more reach. Right. So it's like, how do you, how do you get in on a, on someone who's, who's, who's threatening you with a knife and, and, you know, um, I actually have a friend. He got into a self-defense altercation, and he, he didn't do a Superman, but he did a very similar thing where he, he kind of rushed in really fast and hit the guy with the overhand who was trying to stab him. So, wow. you know, um, yeah, but uh, he doesn't want his name mentioned in the academy because, you know, he doesn't want his kids to know that he got into altercations. But sure. but um, but that's how he stopped the guy uh, from stabbing him. And uh, he rushed, you know, he rushed into yeah. this almost like a Superman. Was, so, we were watching interesting, that, uh, interesting kind of thing. TV show the other day, and your name came up because there was a guy being attacked. And I was like, wonder how Renee would defend against this. And a guy running at another guy with an axe. With an axe? Yeah. So you decided to axe me. Yeah, I'm axing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I said, so the, the guy being attacked uh, ran away. I mean, that's a good tactic yeah, 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 all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I said, well, wouldn't you want to get closer to take the Depends. axe out of the my, equation? My first instance is make distance. My second uh, thing is pick up a ch- uh, improvised weapon, okay. you know, yeah. like uh, uh, some sort of blocking tool and um, if you can. And the third is absolutely clinch up if you can. Uh, the great thing about uh, when you're fighting – we actually did this the other day with baseball bat and like it wasn't an axe, but we we're kind of – that kind of movement is that there's the chopping motion that's necessary. So, if, if, you know, they have to come up. And the, the, if you shoot in really tight and, and, and get close to the arm, they can't come down. Mm. So uh, unfortunately, I have been in a self-defense encounter where someone tried to stab me, uh, and, and I clinched up very, very fast and, and, and tried to take control of the knife and was, was successful. I'm not trying to say you know, I'm the man or anything John like Wick that. over here. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. I was very lucky, and yeah. I, if I could have avoided that scenario, sure. I would have. I didn't have a choice. There was an ambush attack. So and, step uh, one is, is avoid. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. And, and the, step, the first step is awareness. You know, like it, it, I, I failed as a martial artist, self-defense instructor there because I was not aware of my surroundings. I was late for work, 
and as a translator, I was a translator at the time. When you're when you're the translator and you're late, it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two people sitting across each other, not able to communicate. <laughs> you know, and I, I was I was late and I was like nervous and I'm like, what do I do? And the guy's boom, it's New York. When you have that like touristy weird, not wording of it, you know, like energy, they go right for you. And the guy um started to target me because I was I was had a very expensive watch that was gifted to me by my father, right? And um and uh or by my family I should say. And uh and um but uh I uh, was able to defend myself, you know, and uh I'm very, very happy that I got the training. I I, I was able to survive that encounter. We're very um, happy too. Well thank you. Thank you. But <laughs> but you know I did clinch up and, and that that first is first option is distance. Second is uh a, uh um to get a, a improvised weapon and the third is if you can't you clinch up that night. Okay. And uh it's one reason I trained and actually this guy stabbed me so many times. <laughs> no, because with the shock knife. Oh. Yeah, so we we trained with the electrified taser knife, yeah. which you know yeah. so well. Uh-huh. And uh and I was we spar with it and Chris and I were sparring with it and and I was trying to control his wrist in a certain way and Chris did something very interesting. We just tilted it instead of trying to stab me, he tilted his wrist and the 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 taser went into my thumb. And yeah. that, that would have been real because if the knife was sharp, it would cut my yeah. thumb. I would have never understood that if I hadn't been a taser knife. And you got me like that four times. Yeah. I was like, my thumb Smart. was in so much pain. <laughs> I was like, man, when we do jujitsu, I'm going to get you so bad. I Like literally my thumb was on fire for about like a day because it was like eight. You got me like so many times with that. Like just moving that. Like Arr! right in the webbing yeah. between you, right? It was so painful. I was like, come on, Renee, figure it out. I did. I did. No, but you know you left? Yeah. And then I worked on that for about three months uh, and then no, maybe we'll do that when we, right, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like okay this is how you do it right and, but it was actually a great learning experience but um, just go just stepping the fight aside uh, we've had some really interesting discussions on and I know you are uh, a real historian you watch so much tape of old Muay Thai you're a real historian of the, of the art of Muay Thai um, one thing you said to me was really interesting is Muay Thai has gone through this process of evolution and continues to evolve and um Something you said to me which just um, boggled my mind, which is amazing, is you said Muay Thai was very different before one person and after one person. And that person actually was not a Thai fighter, but I think you know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali. So yeah. I think martial arts in general, I mean, before Muhammad Ali, everything was very anchored down, you know, Stiff. feet, the planet, you know, you yeah. kind of, you know, kind of stay still and react. But, you know, once even boxing was like that. Yeah. So after Muhammad Ali, you know, kind of with that light floating style, you know, Taekwondo changed. Uh, you know, yeah. I say Muay Thai changed, boxing's changed, even Kung Fu, some Kung Fu's have changed uh, because of, you know, his influence. I think yeah. he's a huge influence just on fighting in general, just to have that light, that kind of light, loose style. And uh, yeah. So what was Muay Thai like before and after? And how do you see it specifically how so, it changed? So, so back in the day when I used to train with Sexon, I used to always watch, you know, VHS tapes. Like, VHS. Know, For those people who don't know, it was this <laughs> thing that we had back in the day that would record uh, video on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I had to go to the like the Thai grocery stores and they had videos, you know, there. Cause, you know, from Thailand, I would get these tapes from Thailand. And, you know, Sexon and I and Chai, his brother, you know, watch these fights and you know the present fights will be in color obviously but then they will have say three or four present fights then they will show some history fights or historic fights in black and white mm. and you just see the guys where they're pretty flat-footed and they kind of have a crouching lower stance yeah like um Muay Baran that stance that you see in Muay yeah. Baran like that the more crouching stance yeah, yeah. And, and more of a like, kind of a take and receive take and receive yeah. you know take and give back and it just you know it was very different than what it is now. I mean, even in you know '90s and early 2000s, even now it's different than what it was when when I was fighting. And um, you know, now it's very. I mean, these guys are just so athletic; they just go nonstop for the whole fight. I mean, they're able to kind of work at a high intensity for a long period of time. What are the Thai fighters that you really like to watch? Like, I would assume Pukau or something like that. Yeah, or... yeah, like him. You know, but actually, I just. I just kind of like watching. Actually, when I went to Thailand, it was kind of cool to see the younger fighters, oh. just because they were very technical. Yeah, and you know, actually, I learned a lot. I, the first time I went to Thailand, actually, what helped me the most to get my kick better was watching like a six-year-old. You know, just they don't have bad habits. I know exactly just, what you're talking about. It's yeah. just just amazing. I know exactly. I was watching kids doing judo the other day, and you're like, "Oh man, their form is so perfect." They were yeah. Russian kids, yeah. And I'm like, "They're so perfect." Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, I know exactly yeah, yeah. what you're talking about. These Russian kids, I, I think they were like maybe like northern Russia, like you know, like Siberia or something. I don't even know, but because they looked like a little, little bit like not Russian, Russian. You know, like yeah. more ethnic, like mm-hmm. Kazakh or something yeah. like that, Dagestani maybe. I don't know, but but they're you know the culture of wrestling's there, and they're just, they're like yeah, they're really young, and their form was just perfect. Yeah, just, yeah. just yeah. don't say that out loud though. What? Those looking at Russian kids saying their form is so perfect. <laughs> no, they're what do you? <laughs> Your form is great. <laughs> you are a bad person, Matt. <laughs> Their judo form. Their judo, yeah, the judo technique. Form. Judo and wrestling All right, technique. Add that word. Then and we're good. Where's my shock knife? <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from my thumbs. <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, no, you word learned from the. But you know. yeah, but now uh, you know, you know, I hadn't trained with Sex Town for years, and you know, I would periodically go to Dallas and visit them. But I moved there last year, so now when I'm in Dallas, I'm training almost every day. And it's just cool to see how he's evolved. And since he has guys in the UFC now, how he teaches them differently than what he taught me. And, you know, it's just evolved for more specific Muay Thai or uh, MMA. MMA. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just cool. It's fun to be a student again and to learn. Can I ask you specifically what he discarded of Muay Thai or what he altered, if you don't mind me asking? Um, One thing when we block kicks to the leg, we pick our knees straight up right. instead of going out to yeah, the side, totally. so that way you can counter faster. I, guys I remember in, in, in the but in the the, the um, Samart seminar, we had a seminar with Samart Payakarun, who's one of the great Muay Thai guys. I remember he was showing that too, like a straight up yeah. check. Yeah, yeah, and it's really bad to put. Yeah, you don't see too many people check sideways, in yeah, them, yeah. and then they they too easy to get taken down. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. it's it's really cool, and uh, you know, just like jujitsu. I mean, I, I think jujitsu evolves. It's probably the fastest evolving martial arts. I mean, it's constantly evolving. Like every six months, there's something new, or yeah. something that gets added in or gets taken out because everyone's figured it out. Yeah. Uh, Muay Thai, it doesn't go that fast, but I, I do see newer things because of the the need for MMA fighting, and uh, it, it's just an awesome process. And and do you see? Um, so you'd say like, okay, there was a movement towards more footwork and movement, a lighter style tie from the old generation. And in the 90s, obviously we had a split between Dutch Muay Thai and, and we're early than that, Dutch yeah. Muay Thai and, and, and authentic, well, I'd say traditional Thai Muay Thai, which involved a lot more boxing. Yeah. And then um, and then you'd say there's the 2000s is more, a lot more orientation in Muay Thai to make it applicable to for MMA. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And I'm seeing that a lot now. Right. I mean, because you got a lot of guys going to Thailand to train. But they're MMA fighters, and they're just going to get their striking down. But now, since they have so many MMA people going to Thailand, it's adjusting even Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Tiger Muay Thai has a a very strong camp. They have Shevchenko. She's fighting, and she represents them. And they have their traditional Thai fighters, but they're much more known as a Muay Thai camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's fun. I mean, it's a good time in martial arts to see all this and all these things evolving. So, yeah, it's awesome. Um, That's fantastic. Um. So, um, uh, yeah, do you, that's that's all I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when people call you a TIE fighter, do you make the noise of the TIE fighters? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the music? <laughs> no, no, the, the TIE, tie fighters. fighters. No, no, no. He, Star Wars. Star Wars. You didn't get that. Oh. Oh, TIE fighters. Oh. I have a question, though, oh, that was that sent is. in from one of our listeners. <laughs> I gotta find it. I can't believe I missed the pun. I know. Come on, man! You, I, you're uh, like Mr. I was pun thinking. Guy. I was thinking the old Thai boxing song. You know the old Thai boxing song. Oh, you I'm do Thai your... bo- No, no, the Thai <laughs> boxing song. It's like a pop song. It's like oh no, it's a Thai Thai. Bo- it's really bad. <laughs> a Thai Thai boxer. No, I, I heard yeah. a karate rap on uh, Instagram <laughs> a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> you need to there's that. Well, there's always everybody's kung fu fighting too. That. Oh one. no, no. I mean, this was a, a karate karate rap. rap, like karate rap. <laughs> no, you don't know this song. It's like Thai Thai boxing. No, it's like this really terrible song from the seventies oh, okay, or eighties. Uh, right? Yeah, I, I, I. is that it? It's called Thai boxing. That is it, right oh, there. Man, yeah, video too. <laughs> That's oh, <my> it. <laughs> Is there words? Yeah, it's just a, no. Don't play anymore. It's really bad. We'll, we'll lose listeners. That's it. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the song. So, not the Star Wars song. Not the Star Wars song. No. Get my bell bottoms and let my hair grow. Out. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so we have a question from uh, Nathan Hunter. He asked um, Nathan Hunter, who is that? Uh, he's a, just a guy. It's his brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was wondering since um, major sports, baseball, football, basketball, are pulling athletes from college and sometimes high school. At what point do um, UFC and other fight promotions start? Scouting people they in high school. Are. They are. Well, well, TJ Dillashaw is a scout. I mean, Cody Garbrandt was a scout. They scouted wrestlers in high school. They and I, I, actually, I don't know if Cody, Cody Garbrandt was from high school, but TJ Dillashaw was pulled from high school right into the team Alpha Male. So he 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 skipped college and he went right into team of you know uh, Alpha Male. But he was a uh, California has a very 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 vibrant um, wrestling uh, program. And uh, Uri Faber has been scouting for a long time. I know at Radical, we're actually um, starting to, to to do that as well to look to scout more. Um, you know, uh, if you want to be a winning team, you got to take people who started early, and that's just and wrestling is one of the best bases to scout from. And I know that they're they're doing it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, who else was scouted? There are a few a few people who've been scouted. I know American Top Team goes to Brazil and they scout Brazilian black belts, but that's or Brazilian fighters, but that's yeah. a little different because they're already like kind of well known, and they say, okay, come to American Top Team, and then we'll turn you into MMA. But um, but you're talking about kids, people scouting as kids. I know yeah. Muay Thai has a very strong, not the greatest thing, but the strong children's competitive circuit. Um, it's not not always so healthy because they're kind of sold into the, the stable. Sometimes maybe that's not as common now. But I know they start very very young. Mm. You um, know, one thing I've uh, been doing Bulgarian bags, and so I went out to Boise, Idaho to train with the inventor, this guy Ivan Ivanov. He's a wrestling coach, very he, famous. And spent a week with him and his kids, and these kids from seven to seventeen, all wrestlers, uh, freestyling Greco-Roman. And you talk about athletes. I mean, I think wrestlers are probably one of the probably the groups that's probably the most athletic of all different athletes that are out there. And these little kids were monsters. I mean, they were first just super strong, yeah. but then focused, fearless. Like when they had to go and fight, it was just no emotion in their eyes, and they would just get after it. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of these kids moved to Boise just to go to the camp, and this is their thing. You know, they're trying to make the Olympics. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it is no joke. And just super, super impressed, uh, you know, with that program and with, you know, just wrestlers in general. So to watch these kids, you know, freestyle Greco-Roman was insane. The great thing about um, – and you could see Kayla Harrison has kind of been scouted as well. Um, the, but the great thing about um, – not in America as much but uh, in around the world is that judo and wrestling have very strong grassroots uh, – uh, programs in many parts of the world, especially wrestling. I mean, look at Khabib. Khabib was wrestling bears when he was a kid. So, like, it's just nuts, you know. And, you didn't and, do that? Yeah. <laughs> Me? Wrestling. I did not wrestle a bear. No. Although, although I had my time wrestling uh, cows and stuff because I worked on a ranch. So it was like little <laughs> cattle and things. like people on the subway. Yeah. I, 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 was not, I was not a grappler there. No, no. But, you know, I worked on a ranch. So, you know, holding down a horse or a cattle or actually we had goats too to give me the medicine things like that. You, it gives you a sense of like... Like, okay, this is not a human, but this animal is freaking strong, and you ha- and there's a ways, mm-hmm. there's techniques to restrain animals. It's actually, very interesting, you know. Um, funny enough, it's a totally different story, but I was working with um, a police department, and they had a trouble because they were dealing with um, meth, the meth uh, epidemic, and meth uh, labs, and the meth labs would have these like you know dogs, these killer dogs. Who would you know? They the, the meth drug lords would you know when they would you know, go to the the lab sure. out in the middle of nowhere you know like Breaking Bad type thing and they'd stick the dogs on the cops and the cops were like look we don't want to have to shoot the dog if we don't have to we'll shoot it but we probably we just like to know how to restrain it and I'm like you know can your jujitsu help us I'm like actually. I can help you with this because <laughs> I was restraining. You know, this is more like vet stuff, but it is jujitsu. It's and actually, you know what? It's more like wrestling because it's like in wrestling, there's a referee's position. You know, when your hands and feet, so it's like four leg, four limbs, and how you tip people over. But there's you know, and Nelsons and things like that, grabbing the knee, grabbing the ankle, and um, and so I actually, as part of my, you know, I was with their canine group, and they, I, like, the, the dog thinks it's fun. He thinks it's play, but I was wrestling their canine dog. And trying to restrain it, and the dog thinks it's fun. I mean, it wasn't I was not abusing an animal at all. Like we, you know, he he would come up to me for treats afterwards. And, you know, it, it was. But he's he's a he's a canine uh, dog and a canine police dog, and um, 
And they're like, oh, can you restrain? Can you restrain him? And I'm like, try this. And then we're all playing with the dog, but it's actually like learning how to how to defeat mm-hmm. actual actual uh, uh, dogs that are sent to attack the officers. So you know. Uh, Wrestling or or or, um, or jujitsu can be applied in a lot of situations you wouldn't think, <laughs> and 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 the same with wrestling could be wrestling the bear. You know, yeah. he, you know that that body awareness and knowledge is is body awareness and knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and wrestlers when you know how to manipulate someone, and Thai boxers know this too with the Thai plum. You know, and and Chris is amazing Thai plum. Um, when you feel someone manipulate your neck. It's or your shoulder, upper body, and your spine. We were talking about connect. When someone manipulates your spine, you just have to go, you know. <laughs> and uh, and that's the key. Any if you're dealing with any mammal, you know, they're gonna have a spine and you know and, and a head. So you know, you're not dealing with like you know, a, I don't know, a squid or something. Yeah. Then you're trouble. Yeah. You know? yeah. Where yeah. do you put your hand? Yeah. Yeah. Where's their thumbs? Yeah. <laughs> you try to arm lock on a squid. It's not really gonna work. You're like, oh, wait a minute, this is not working. But um, but you know. Uh, given certain um, certain parameters, you know, uh, uh, of of of, of a skeletal structure, jujitsu and, and muay thai and all martial arts can work, you know, at some level. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, did, did the dogs have good form? <laughs> <laughs> they were actually incredibly strong. Let me tell you. Oh yeah, the police dogs were ridiculous. Um, yeah. like like it was it was, and I'll be honest with you, like. Because he started at one point where, like, because one officer had the uh, had the experience of the dog lying on top of him and trying to bite his his his, tr- his throat, like yeah. to you know, and so he like we kind of started. I started in my guard, you know, with the dog, and and the dog is still muzzled, right? Yeah, I would lie to you if I wasn't scared. Say if I said I wasn't scared to death. It was it was a very scary experience to to wrestle a dog who's like actually the dog was really big. Like this is not a small dog, mm-hmm. and he's like, and he's an athletic dog, and uh, I do not believe in dog fighting at all. I do not believe in it. I think it's terrible. Unfortunately, um, it's out there, and I have had experience of seeing dogs, former dogs. Uh, I've never been to a dog fight. I will never do that. But uh, I have seen dogs who are who are like the Japanese Tosa is a is a dog fighting dog breed, and um, and I've seen them. Is actually a lot of this dog fighting world. Intersects with the martial art world, unfortunately, and that's true in every country. Whether it's Latin Latin countries, which are known for rooster cockfighting and, and dogfighting, as well as American and Asian countries too, and the Japanese fighting dogs are unbelievably strong, like stronger than most humans. They're, and they're, now I'm talking their jaw. I'm talking yeah. their 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 upper body strength. They generate in different ways, but if they lay on top of you, they are so damn strong. And uh, and so when I was working with the police dog, he wasn't a Tosa, but uh, he was he was you know I don't know like a mixy shepherdy kind of thing, and on top of me I was like whoa so guard up, guillotine right away <laughs> and I flipped him over I did a flip over and I got on top and, and boom and I was like okay now we're we're done with this this, this is just scary <laughs> and uh, and uh, but it was very intimidating you know when yeah. you're fighting an animal and there was that scene you know there's the guy who choked out the coyote who tried to kill him yeah, the, the yeah, lynx yeah. yeah yeah he had no martial art training but basically he did a he did a choke on the on the thing and choked out. And it was only sixty pounds, but it almost almost killed him. Yeah, an animal you don't think is wow. sixty pounds, but a sixty pound animal. Look, chimpanzees are not don't weigh that much, but they could rip your arms out of your oh out of your socks. There's no way a human being could. And actually, I got that que- I got that question. You know, because we talk about questions. I got a question: Who would win, a human or a chimpanzee? Yeah. You know, and and <laughs> without weapons, one on one. Human has almost no chance. Yeah. Even even taking away the the jaws, you know, the chimpanzees have this way of generating so much force and strength. Yeah. But you your only them. chance is to get on the on the chimp's back yeah. and choke him out. That's your only chance yeah. that that he cannot generate that pulling force. Right, you have right. to get on his back and choke him out. Did For those interested in fighting a chimp, you see the video of the uh, the guy boxing a kangaroo. I've seen a few of them, unfortunately. That's like it was yeah. literally like a real in the wild. Like the kangaroo had the dog oh, in the wild oh. in a headlock. Uh, the kangaroo was attacking this guy's dog. And oh, had the shoot. dog in a headlock, and the guy walked up and punched the kangaroo in the face, and then squared up with him. And the kangaroo <laughs> squared up too. Did the they, kangaroo kick him or punch he, him? He didn't do anything. The uh, guy punched him twice. The kangaroo twice in the face, and the kangaroo ran away. Oh well, like yeah. he literally just punched. Like it was amazing. But um, but there's a video <laughs> of a kangaroo choking another kangaroo unconscious. Oh wow. No, like really, does he does like a the the the, the palm to palm choke? Yeah, that's what and he, he did. And 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 uh, the kangaroo chokes another kangaroo unconscious. Wow. The two kangaroos fighting. It's like crazy. And then the other They're kangaroo evolving. Kangaroo. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. no, but it's, <laughs> but it's interesting because a lot of our fighting techniques are are based on this is based on 
natural, efficient movement. And it's yeah. not only humans who discover this. You right. know, like animals have have ways of doing that. Now, it's interesting because uh, they're saying there's an article about uh, primates and stuff and how their technology of primates is evolving. Like they're using tools differently and they're, they're, their technology is evolving too. So why wouldn't uh, – a kangaroo do a mirror naked choke, you know, like not exactly, you know, Hickson yeah. style, but <laughs> well, he's watching YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see the kangaroo watching YouTube videos, <laughs> switching screens back and forth. You know. Oh, they're there's trading, that new Omo plot. Though. They're trading the, the Gracie Jiu Jitsu VHSs. <laughs> they're still back there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, anyway, we went a little off topic, but that's very interesting. Um, so where do you see where do you see Muay Thai for MMA going in the future? I just think it's going to constantly evolve. You know, just you, you see, like the stomp kick, like things are starting to come out because there's just a need for it, and people are figuring out that need, and then they just start applying it and then just incorporating it. Uh, so yeah, it's just gonna everything's gonna evolve. Everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, what would you say for MMA fighters or any fighter? What would you say would be the place where you think they'd improve the? They need to improve the most in, in from Muay Thai fighters. Any 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 striking base guy. Like you're like, hey, this is where MMA needs to improve more. One thing I see with with MMA fighters doing Muay Thai, uh, just like you know, we talked about this with Jiu-Jitsu. If say if someone you know wants to do MMA but they're not experienced in Jiu-Jitsu, they'll come in and just try to get a little piece and then go out, but they'll yeah. miss the full essence of it. And I think you need to do the same thing for striking. Like you really need to understand the full essence of it and then take what you need for the MMA. Just like with jujitsu, you need to really understand kind of the full thing instead of just little pieces yeah, here yeah, and there. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I think that's one mistake that I see because a lot of times they'll have gaps, and those gaps are huge, and you know they can get caught with something. Um, and 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 um, I would say it's interesting because you could see the the evolution of striking MMA and it was less movement based. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you remember the old school, like kind of it would be like. Okay, trade some punches, hit some shots, you know, yeah. and everybody have their really flat-footed stance because they're so worried about the takedown. Yeah. And now that everybody's takedown defense got so much better, there's Adesanya now, and he's you know Bob and weaving, moving. He's the new Anderson Silva, yeah. you know, boom, 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 and it's just beautiful to watch. And I think that's you know there's there's a a, a fight analyst who said um, there's movement based striking and there's you know static based striking, and not one is better than the other. And I totally disagree. Right. I won't say his name, but I totally disagree with that. I think movement based striking. Um, is is really important. Play angles, movement, um, just being static and kind of like not moving and eating and then yeah. trading. You know, like you could see that with the Pettis. And I, I, Pettis was not like so mobile, but he was the, the finish was a mobile. It was a move back and come back in. You know, yeah. but but um, but you know, like you could see like his had his guard up. Yeah, and you're not wearing 16 ounce gloves, so the like fists up and tight guard only protects you so much in MMA because the gloves yeah. are so small. And it, and and you know blocking is it's better to not be there than to block in right. my opinion. Obviously you want to you want to block, but <laughs> and your hands are up. But but uh, it's better to 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 have some movement, even if that movement will degrade over time at some level. But but uh, but you can't be so static. And I've seen the the the, the, the evolution towards Adesanya type fighters, really movement based fighters, and it's just it's beautiful to watch them. Well, Versus the flat-footed, you know, like where it used to be. One thing, it also depends on who you're fighting. So if you have yeah. a guy that's faster than you, mm-hmm. then you can't move. You can't outmove him. Yeah. And so, okay, I'm a little older now. So when I go back and I'm training with these, you know, guys that are yeah. 20, 25 years old, man, they're so fast. Right. And I can't move how I would normally move right. because I'll get caught trying to match their speed. Well, I can't match their speed. Yeah. Their, their speed is faster. So what I do is. I absorb and then I'll counter, but I'll just have a little movement yeah. just at the right time and then give it back. But to kind of like match your speed, quick, match no, no. speed, I can't do that. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying match your speed because you could see that with the Thompson Pettis fight we yeah. were talking about before. Like he, Pet, Thompson's just so much faster, even though he's not as fast as he was, right. you know, it was a great strategy to not play that speed game. But I still think, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about, Lots of little subtle movements that don't have to be fast, but not static. Yeah. Like if you look at, I remember there was Dan Severn versus um, Ken Shamrock. Oh, that's, yeah, back in the yeah, day. and they were just standing in front of each other, yeah. or you know, like uh, they were just like completely flat-footed. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was like, well, I'm gonna just plant because they're so afraid of the takedown. It, people say, oh, it's you know, this is way back when boxers said, oh, but MMA guys suck. But they were so afraid of the takedown that they didn't want to make the chance to be light on their feet because they just go flying. Right. 
Right. You know, because there's so many like wrestler based guys and people didn't understand how to defend the takedown. Yeah. So like, why are MMA guys so flat footed? Well, they have to be because of the takedown. But people learn to be really, really solid with takedown defense. And that's one thing that Thompson has. Yeah. He has amazing takedown defense, particularly fight Southpaw. Yeah. So when you fight Southpaw, you the guy can't get a full double on you. You're more fighting the single and you only you know, you're only yeah. defending one leg instead of two. But um, but you move, 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 move. I think Adesanya has uh, is one of my new favorite, one of my favorite fighters. He has one of the most creative takedown defensive I've ever seen. One time he got taken down and he did a roll and just got right back up, which is actually <laughs> what they do in wrestling. But you you didn't see it in, in in MMA. Like he completely did like a 360 roll and kept going and then yeah. wound up up. And the, the guy was like. God damn it. <laughs> He's like, shoot, I had you, and now I don't. Because it's not just about taking that guy down. It's establishing right. the control. Right. But um, but that allows him to be so light on his feet, you right, know? Right. But but I, I still think you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm not talking – when I say footwork, I'm not talking about, like, super speed, but, but you know, just, just not being so right, flat-footed. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't be flat-footed. Yeah. Like, just but you remember how it used to be, yeah. right? You know, like, yeah, yeah, heels yeah. planted, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> but that was, what, 20 – yeah, but well, you know, I would say nine. Yeah, twenty yeah. years ago, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was twenty years. Go ahead, yeah. stop calling me old. <laughs> Remember, man, he's older than me, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but who'd win in a fight? Uh, Chris, for uh, sure. No. Chris, for sure. No, 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 hundred percent. No, no, I'd be no. unconscious before I got near him, <laughs> unless I snuck up behind him. <laughs> right. I am sneaky. I am very. I sneaky. know that. The rat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, what I I like to see, and I saw this for Henry Cejudo. And his stance was a little too long. It was a little more karate. But what I love to see from the guys is the seamless blending of great Muay Thai, great boxing or whatever you want to call it, striking, and great takedowns. And then sometimes like and like you go for a takedown, but you follow it up with a strike. Right. You saw this with the female fight recently where the girl shot in a double and then just as the girl was defending, she did a knee, overhand, and an uppercut. And it was like, okay, that's not Muay Thai. That's yeah. not boxing and it's not wrestling. It's all yeah, yeah. to combine that knee. Then it was an overhand uppercut and boom. I'm like, that's it. Yeah. And I was like, yep, that's it right there. Yeah. Where it's there's no divisions yeah. between the martial arts. Yeah, yeah, that's the highest levels. Yeah, yeah. and that that's what I like to see. You know, um, but it's hard. You're right because it's hard because we have this discussion all the time. This is the fourth time. It's like, should you be a specialist and then go to MMA, or should you be a generalist to some extent? And it's still the specialists are winning. Yeah, but. Is that going to be the way it is going forward? I don't know. Joe Rogan's like, on the yeah. other side where he says, "Well, you know, start MMA from day one, and and you'll be and and you'll be better prepared than some guy who does Olympic wrestling all his life and goes to MMA." And and you know, and that's proven not to be true yeah. yet. It's proven not to be true. But but I don't know. In the future, may you know, we don't have an answer yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the sport will figure it out. Yeah, the sport will figure it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't have. But at this point. Every single weight class in the US, in the male weight class is dominated by someone who was a a specific fighter first, not a generalist first. Yeah, you know, um, with the possible possible exception of uh, is Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's not the champ anymore, right? He's uh, no, no, it's uh, it's um, Holloway. Holloway's the champ at uh, one forty five, right? Ugh. Yeah, quizzing me. Yeah, but yeah, so yeah. Ferguson's not the champ, but um, but. Uh, uh, but Ferguson was is the one where you could maybe say he's a generalist because he was doing striking and jujitsu all everything at the same time yeah, as yeah. I understand it, you know. Yeah. But then again, he was dividing his his hours, you know. A yeah, bit. yeah. And that's the thing, like if okay, you spend your time. I mean, really do jujitsu, and then you really do. I mean, you could do this at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And then some kind of you know, takedown judo wrestling yeah, type right. of thing. Um, I don't know. I think that could yeah. work, but yeah. yeah. That's it's a lot just, of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. a demanding time. And I, I, for me, when I, I teach mostly people who don't want to fight in the cage, yeah. but the idea is to take, and this this really bothers me when people say, "Oh, well, prize fighting is totally different from street fighting." Um, okay, yeah, there's some differences, like uh, you get ambushed and things like that. But a punch is a punch is a punch. A kick is a kick is a kick, and a very effective, um, efficient movement will work in a self-defense scenario as it will in the cage. Like how is this the way we the, – the, the rules of physics are somehow different in, yeah. in the cage in yeah. real life. Now, obviously, situationally, there's, there's cars and this and that. But as we can see from watching self-defense videos, yeah. the same thing happens in self-defense videos 
that happens in 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 fighting. And yeah. if you know how to really, there was a. Did you see the fight? There was a fight in Grand Central Station like two days ago. These two guys. This one guy um, was. They got into an argument, and the other guy has some training. And the one guy got in front of him, and he said, "Back off!" And then he clipped him, and he tried to make space. And the other guy chased him. And then so the and, and the other guy shot and took him down, mounted him, and then the cops came. Yeah. I'm like, oh right, you mean basically MMA? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. he actually had some 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 nice boxing, and then um, and then uh, he shot in, did a little outside trip, mm-hmm. mounted him, and that was it. The other guy tried to guillotine, you know, headlock him, just yeah. like exactly MMA. So right. the idea that a street fight is somehow radically different from uh, from what goes on in the cage is 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 completely spurious. Yeah. It's just like like fat. Reality-based self-defense guys want to use that as their their reason not to train, yeah. <laughs> but but the question is like training a prize fighter and then training someone who does not have, you know, three hours, four hours a day to do two double days every single day. How do you how do you get them, you know, re- ready for for self-defense? And I think you know a very strong background in grappling first has been proven to be successful in the cage, but also if you have a very strong understanding of clinch. And a very understand, strong understanding of the ground that can take you very, very far. And that's where you want to build your your background. And then on top of that, adding some Thai boxing, adding some boxing, very, very successful recipe because you could be a great Thai boxer. And this is no knock to Thai boxing, which is amazing, amazing, amazing art, which continues to evolve. And I'm a huge fan. But if a wrestler shoots in and puts you on your back and you've never trained what to do there right. – you're out of your element, you know, right. versus if you're a jiu-jitsu guy or a wrestler, you know what that feels like. So you never have to feel because you start standing up. But that's a problem with jiu-jitsu right now. Jiu-jitsu guys don't start standing up. So they have no idea how to clinch. So it goes for every art, you know. Yeah. you know. But the, generally speaking, a wrestler starts standing or jiu-jitsu guy, judo guy starts standing and they bring it to the ground. If you understand those transitions, you don't fear most of the fight. You know, you're like, oh, this, this can go anywhere and I could, I could be okay. And um, – and, um, so my, I'm always like, how do I teach my students to be very, very functional in self-defense uh, with given that they're doctors, lawyers, garbage bankers, whatever, you know, uh, uh, restaurateurs, however, whatever, because they have a life or just family people. They don't have so many hours to spend in the day training. And uh, uh, so that's kind of like, you know, that's that's the difference is like when you don't have so much time to spend, how do you get functional? Yeah. And to me, it's like. Start with stand-up grappling and bring it to the ground, and then on top of that, add when you, when you have a good foundation, add the striking, and then always see the transitions, but ground yourself with very solid fundamentals in understanding, like you said, like understanding, you know, the the larger Muay Thai game, the larger wrestling game, the right. larger Jiu-Jitsu game, as it applies to what you want. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard. I don't. Yeah. I don't think anybody has an answer. I don't have an answer. Yeah. I, you know. I don't know. We'll, well see. Well, like I said, the, it, the sport will tell you. It, yeah. You know, things will evolve, and if it works a certain way, well, then we'll see it. Yeah. You know. And 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 um, so that's 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 about it. You know, right. Interesting, interesting conversation. Wow. Right. So really a lot happy. of different places. I, I've yes. been bugging Chris to come on this podcast for so long, and I'm just so. Really excited to have him here, and it was just great. Uh, no, thank you for having thank me. You so and, and and if anybody wants to do um, Pilates seminars with you, uh, or or Muay Thai seminars, or, or anything, what should they contact you? Uh, they can go to s6fitness.com, or and I'm on Facebook and Instagram at s6fitness. Right, and guys, uh, if you have a, a fight school and you want to have some really really functional conditioning, this is the guy to go to. He's amazing, and uh, also a wonderful person. Right? Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. All right. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore Culture and on Instagram at Marshall Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes and we'll see you next time on the Marshall Culture Podcast.